Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this topic matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care. Today's episode is Why Should We Care About Addiction? And I'm going to go through a couple of different points on, I think, what I can make as a really good case for treating addiction. But we're going to start with the simple answer that addiction kills people a lot. So from August 2019 to August 2020, 88,000 Americans died from a drug overdose. On top of that, according to the CDC, we have about 95,000 deaths a year in the United States from excessive alcohol use. So for reference, kind of how does this shake out compared to other illnesses or diseases? So that's together 183,000 deaths per year from excessive alcohol use and drug overdose. Now, I don't want to downplay any illness, but one that's very visible, particularly in the fall when pink becomes a very popular color is breast cancer. I've had family members with breast cancer. Breast cancer is horrible. I absolutely do not want to downplay breast cancer. But breast cancer is something that we all realize is important. For reference, in the United States, according to the CDC, we have 42,500 deaths per year from breast cancer. So that is 4.3 times more deaths per year from excessive alcohol use and drug overdose than breast cancer. Okay, well, what happens if we add in tobacco use to this mix? So, turns out, according to the CDC, there are about 480,000 deaths per year related to tobacco use, including secondhand smoke. So, if you add that up, excessive alcohol use deaths, drug overdose deaths, and deaths related to tobacco use, that's 663,000 deaths per year. That is 15.3 times more deaths per year from excessive alcohol use, drug overdose, and tobacco use than breast cancer. And once again, breast cancer is an extremely important illness, and there's a lot of suffering and challenge and hardship, and I would never wish breast cancer upon anyone. But yet, 15.3 times more Americans per year die related to substance use than breast cancer. We've got to do a better job here. Putting that 663,000 deaths per year in our country in perspective, that is 1.2 Americans dying every minute from problems related to substance use. And I want you to think about this because this was a big question for me. I ask patients all the time, do you smoke as a part of my social history? And yet I never follow that with when they answer yes, would you like treatment? Starting May 2021, I'm going to start because I want to be a part of the solution to 480,000 American deaths per year related to tobacco use. All right. Now, what's even worse is now that we've identified just what an enormous burden substance use and addiction 
has on American society, it's important to realize that we do an absolutely abysmal job of treating it. One in seven Americans will develop a substance use disorder at some point in their lives. However, unfortunately, only one in 10 people with a substance use disorder will ever receive any type of treatment. It is a lethal disease, and yet people rarely get treatment. No wonder our mortality is so high. It is just unbelievable to me that only one in 10 people with a substance use disorder gets treatment. You compare that to diabetes and hypertension, those diseases are treated at a rate of about 80% in the United States. So focusing on the emergency department, you know, well, it's not a problem in the emergency department. I take care of emergencies, right? Well, according to a 2014 Annals of Emergency Medicine paper, as many as 64% of adult emergency department patients meet criteria for problematic substance use. I worked a shift last week, and I obviously care a lot about this, and I only saw two people who I identified as having a substance use disorder. What does this mean? To me, this means we miss drug and alcohol and tobacco problems in our patients all the time. I have diagnosed so many people with gastritis. Did I ever ask them about alcohol? Alcohol, we know, is a major risk factor for gastritis. Same thing. What about an asthma attack? What about somebody who comes in with dyspnea? Do we ask about tobacco use? I think we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg of what our patients are actually doing as far as how they use substances such as alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs. And one could say, oh sure, right? That paper's probably wrong, Casey. You only saw two patients out of the 18 you saw on that shift. That number must be wrong. What's incredible is when you dig deeper, you'll be surprised what you find. As an example, I took care of a young man with a facial cellulitis with a history of MRSA. I tried to be very non-judgmental, and I said, you know, sir, sometimes, and you might laugh at me because I don't think this is a problem for you, but sometimes people with skin infections have a problem with intravenous drug use, and it really increases the risk of infection. Any, any IV drug use? And he didn't volunteer anything to me, but when I asked the question in a non-judgmental fashion, he paused and said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm using meth. And I said, okay, um, you know, I, I, again, just want to kind of offer you as many options as I can. Any, any opiates? Do you need any Suboxone? And he said, no, 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 that definitely not. And I said, well, ju- just think about it. If you need Suboxone or there's something else that was on your mind, let me know. I'm going to go order some lab tests and I'll be back to talk to you. Five minutes later, his nurse came up to me and said, Dr. Grover, he wants to talk to you about Suboxone. And I went back in and talked to him and sure enough, he was using IV heroin. And we'll talk about stigma and shame and why people don't want to tell us about their substance use. But that patient was somebody who I would have missed if I hadn't stopped to dig deeper. So your next question is, okay, fine. You know, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that we saw a lot of patients with drug and alcohol problems in the emergency department, but you know, it's really not an emergency and you know, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that we should treat people with substance use in the emergency department. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say, despite what you may believe, treating people with substance use disorder in the emergency department is absolutely effective. 
I can cite right now four studies that show that screening, intervention, and referral to treatment for substance use is effective in the emergency department. There was an article in Medical Care in 2018, in the Western Journal of Emergency Medicine in 2017, in Academic Emergency Medicine in 2018, and Annals of Emergency Medicine in 2012. And then probably the most influential article that I've seen when it comes to substance use in the emergency department came from Gail D'Onofrio and her group at Yale, and this was published in JAMA in 2015. And it was basically a randomized controlled trial of various options for treatment of opiate use disorder in the emergency department. And the bottom line is that when we offered patients with opiate use disorder medication-assisted treatment in the emergency department, it was two times more effective in engaging and keeping people in treatment than just giving people referrals. Let's think about that. That is the baseline intervention is, I'm so sorry you've got a problem, here are some referrals. That's more than many of us are already doing and definitely more when we're not identifying substance use disorder at all. So the bar is already set actually relatively high that the so-called control intervention was actually referring people to treatment. In this study, they offered people buprenorphine to get them treatment for opiate use disorder and it was highly effective in treatment and getting people engaged in treatment. And, uh, Dr. D'Onofrio and her group have done several other studies that it's cost-effective. This is really what we need to be doing, is identifying and treating substance use disorders in the emergency department and the acute care setting. The next question in my mind is, does the treatment of substance use disorder actually save lives? And I'm going to try to make the argument that treating substance use disorder can be some of the most life-saving treatment that we can offer. So the first question is, how lethal is substance use? Well, as we talked about in the first part of this podcast, 1.2 Americans dies every minute from excessive alcohol use, drug overdose, or tobacco use. That's pretty significant. Dialing down on opioids specifically, in a 2020 Annals of Emergency Medicine paper, they looked at the mortality of patients after the emergency department treatment for a non-fatal opioid overdose. 0.25% of patients were dead at five days, and 5% of patients were dead at one year. So the one-year mortality after a non-fatal opioid overdose that presents to the emergency department is 5%. This is, as we know, a big problem. Now, from a 2017 BMJ study, there is some evidence that medication-assisted treatment for emergency department patients with opiate use disorder can reduce mortality from overdose by as much as 80%. Let's think about that number, 80%. What other treatments in medicine reduce mortality of 80%? That's a number needed to treat to save one life of one Point two. That is an obscenely good number. You might be saying, well, you know, I don't really understand. You know, what are some other therapies that I can compare this to? So for your reference, the number needed to treat is the number of patients needed to be treated to produce a particular outcome. So a 2010 Cochrane review of proton pump inhibitors for upper GI bleed actually conferred zero mortality benefit. 
and how often it's, you know, oh, got the GI bleed, talking to the hospitalist, talking to GI, gosh, let's get that Bretonics bolus and let's get that drip going. Come on, where's the Bretonics? No mortality benefit. Treatment of opiate use disorder drops mortality as much as 80%. Let's think about something that's a little more mainstream, like aspirin for stroke. Based on a 2014 Cochrane review of aspirin for stroke, the number needed to treat to prevent death or dependence from a stroke with aspirin was 79 patients. That's a number needed to treat of 79 patients. Looking at the number needed to treat with aspirin for stroke to prevent a recurrent stroke is 140. So you have to treat 140 patients with aspirin when they have a stroke to prevent a recurrent stroke. You have to treat 1.2 patients with opiate use disorder to prevent a death. It is just a no-brainer. This is simply one of the most effective and powerful interventions we have to save lives. So that's a lot of the evidence, but I'm going to add one more part to this argument that treating addiction matters in that people suffer and the pain that addiction brings upon our society and upon our lives is just immeasurable. I think we all know when we see patients who we admit to the hospital with endocarditis from IV drug use that have been mainlining into their jugular vein, they suffer. When we see someone who is vomiting blood from alcohol use disorder, they suffer. When we see someone who comes in with a cellulitis and abscess from skin-popping heroin, they suffer. Additionally, their families suffer. Can you imagine, and I say this speaking to you as a parent, can you imagine how you would feel watching your child be homeless on the street injecting intravenous drugs? There's so many wonderful books out there written by parents about watching their children suffer and their own suffering as parents. Beautiful Boy, written by the Chef family, as an example of actually what was turned into a major motion picture. David Sheff is the father and Nick Sheff is the son. They actually both wrote addiction memoirs and they were incredible. I have friends whose kids are suffering from addiction and those parents feel like their children are lost. It's very timely that I'm recording this podcast because we just did a run walk this past weekend here in Monterey County called the Recovery Run. Basically, we realized that exercise could be a healthful life strategy and could be something that people who need to get dopamine in their system, and we'll talk plenty about dopamine on this podcast, could do when their dopamine is depleted from the process of addiction in their brain. So this was our second annual recovery run. And this year we had a bit of a unique new thing that we did where we put up flags to honor individuals or families. And we put up white flags for people in recovery. So for example, if you had a friend in recovery, you could decorate the flag and say, congratulations, Cesar, and you could put it up. Red flags were for families who struggled. And so we have a very close family that we know that they've struggled with addiction. And so we marked their family name on the flag. And lastly, we had black flags to represent those who have died from this horrible disease of addiction. Our run walk was a little weird this year because of COVID. And we had about 150 participants. And yet those 150 participants made 1,200 flags. And when we put them out on a field, it was just unbelievable to see the incredible influence addiction has had on this small community of Monterey County. And the last piece I'm going to share on this topic of pain is my friend Paul. And if you look at my podcast logo, I have some white writing 
over a painting, and that was painted by Paul. Part of the reason why I got interested in this topic is Paul was my patient in the emergency department, and he came in and said, you know, Dr. Grover, I've got a skin infection, but I don't want any opioids. I am in recovery. And I said, okay, you got it. So I lanced his, his, his abscess, put in a little packing, and we got him on some Bactrim, and he was telling me about his story while I was doing his incision and drainage. And it turns out that we had friends in common. And he came from a nice family and he was a very nice person. So I took him to lunch and I said, tell me your story. I've got to learn. And he was so funny. He said, doc, it only take me 15 minutes. And we had to go to lunch three times. And we talked for six hours about what his life was like. And his painting that you see as my podcast logo is his portrayal of what it's like to suffer with this disease of addiction. And unfortunately, Paul died from an overdose in 2019, and I gave a eulogy at his funeral, and I promised his family that his death would not be in vain, and I would teach colleagues, students, healthcare professionals about what I learned about addiction from Paul in his honor. So, concluding, bottom line, substance use disorders are killing our patients at a rate of 1.2 Americans every minute when you combine drug overdose, excessive alcohol intake, and tobacco use. As I've outlined, treatment is extremely effective when started in the acute care setting, particularly the emergency department. Bottom line, we can save lives, and we are morally obligated to do so. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you tuning in this month to this month's episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care.